Yo, thanks people for tuning in to the Great Fury Podcast. Your boy Drew talking the things and pun that ends. Can download podcast on iTunes. You can always listen to it on the Anchor FM app, Pocket Caster app, and Public Radio, Radio Public app as well. And if there's any other places that the, pop, the podcast does pop up, I will for sure, for sure, for sure let you know. I've been gone for a minute, but I'm back again. I'm back in the his house here to talk to things and pun ends. And there's a lot of things that have happened in the world of sports and entertainment and sports entertainment. First off, let me just congratulate the Washington Capitals on winning the 2018 Stanley Cup. And your Smythe Trophy winner is Alex Ovechkin. So congrats to them. Hockey season has now wrapped up for another year. We get ready for the draft, and we get ready for July 1st, free agency frenzy. But, I'm going to start with some negative things, and then work my way to positive things. So, we saw that the No Fun League, known as the National Football League, came down with a ruling about protest. Which states that teams will be fined, or will be... um, penalized or penalized if any of their players decide to take a knee during the national anthem and if you as a player choose to to not participate in the national anthem you need to stay in the locker room what happened to free speech what happened to simple protests this all started not to disrespect the flag not to disrespect the anthem not to disrespect the military It was all the protest was about was the injustice that young black males and women and children face in America against racism and police brutality. First things first, they said that that we decided. We means ownership and players. Owners were not involved in the negotiation of this new ruling. So, as I like to call it, the plantation mentality that this league has is that the 32 plantation owners got together and said, we're going to make this rule because they don't want to get their hands dirty. They do not know how to deal with this. They want to just let us play our football and make a bag of money off of the 70%. Keyword, 70% of players in the NFL are African-American. That's more than half of your league. And I'm not here. I'm not a mathematician. And I'm not going to do the math and know how many players. I'm going to say, guesstimate over 2,000 players play in this league. So we'll say um, 1,700 of these players in the NFL, because it's a 53-team roster, are African-American. And they are taking a knee not to disrespect a flag. Not to disrespect... The nation, not to disrespect the people that put their lives on the line in the forms of the military. It's to say we do not have the same justices as others do. They don't come and shoot us for playing cops and robbers. They don't come and and, and tag our house with the N-word. They don't come and and beat up our women. And incarcerate our kids at seven. Because I saw a video today and I posted on my public page, on my private page, not on the um, Grateful Ready 
podcast page on Facebook that a child was arrested at 10. Another man earlier this week, we saw a video of a man being accosted by the police for talking on his phone. So when these guys in the NFL that have the privilege to play a great game known as football and make these plantation owners, as I call them, a bag of money, and then these plantation owners say, no, sit down, black man. You're disrespecting the flag. They're not listening. They're not hearing. But remember, these were the same guys that when the leader of the free world said to fire these SOBs, they all came hugging and, and linking arms. Jerry Jones was linking arms with his players and all that kind of stuff. But now you make a rule to say that these guys can't protest? This is what I would do. This is my personal opinion. If I was a player in the NFL, I would band together with my other 70 players in this league and I boycott and I sit. I don't come out and play. Take my check. If Colin Kaepernick can give up a million dollars and he hasn't played a full season in a year. 70% of these African-Americans that make these plantation owners a bag of money should sit. See, see, people are like, I'm done with the NFL. Yeah, which means when you're done with the NFL, I have not, I will not watch a game this year. I won't even watch the Super Bowl. Last season, I didn't watch one regular season game, one playoff game until I got to the Super Bowl. And I was wrong for that. Because the NFL is making tons of money off of the blood, sweat, and tears and hard work of black men that choose to play the game of football to make ends meet and use their privilege and use their job to tell people this is what's going on in America. We have Childish Gambino song charting all over YouTube, getting millions upon millions of hits, probably going to be, in my estimation, the song of 2018. But we'll never play on commercial radio. Let's just pre that. This is what this is what America has boiled down to. This is what Canada has boiled down to. People want to sugarcoat we're the most multicultural nation in the world, but racism in Canada exists, and racism in America is blatant. They tell you you are N word. This is what you need to do, and that's what these plantation owners have done in the NFL. They have ruled for these guys to be numb and quiet. Keep your mouth shut and let's play football. Like what the lady on Fox News said to LeBron, to shut up and dribble. This was the same thing these plantation owners are saying. I pay you, shut up and run the ball down the field, catch the ball, throw the ball, hit your fellow man. That's what I pay you to do. I do not pay you to have a social stand when it comes to police brutality in the United States of America. That's why I stopped watching NFL and I will never watch NFL football ever again. We in the money, we in the money. And I'm saying that because the WWE just inked a deal with Fox that will show SmackDown live on Friday night starting in 2019 after their deal with USA and USA decided not to renew or purchase the rights to SmackDown, kept Raw. So Raw will be on Monday night, still on the USA Network. 
but SmackDown starting in 2019 will be on the Fox network for a whopping five years at a million. Oh, not a million. Not one million dollars. But one billion dollars. So, the thing I was saying for the last how many years I've been doing this podcast and in all different inklings and analyzations that I have done, I told you people that the WWE's booking or the way they set their programming is not to bill to pay-per-views anymore. And there's a strong possibility with this new deal that the television, which is bringing them about, I believe it's $200 million per year over the deal that adds them up to about a billion dollars. That the WWE is in a very, very good space where there's a possibility that in the next coming years, that maybe WrestleMania might end up being like something towards the Super Bowl. Where a network can apply to purchase, not SmackDown, but purchase the Royal Rumble or purchase WrestleMania or SummerSlam or etc. etc. Because the climate has changed. Remember, five years ago, the UFC was the thing, and that's why Fox jumped in bed with the UFC. But the UFC, to me, became oversaturated, and we have seen the influx of what professional wrestling has become. And we're not talking just in North America, we're talking globally. Professional wrestling, at this point in time, in my years of watching professional wrestling, if you do the math of how old I am, I grew up in the rock and wrestling era, which was the 80s. I grew up in the attitude, I was a high schooler in the attitude era. I saw the demise of WCW and the bankruptcy of ECW, the rise of Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, all these other indie promotions in my own city, around the world, the boom of UK, the boom of New Japan Bro Wrestling, even the resurgence of wrestling in Japan with Pro Wrestling Noah and All Japan. Right now, wrestling, it's at the zenith. And I understand why Fox said, you know what? We don't have to worry about selling pay-per-view. We give them their leeway. It's not going to three hours. It's going to stay at eight to ten on Fridays live. And it will differentiate. Oh boy, sometimes I can't chat. Differentiate. Sorry, the pot will come out. Between Raw and SmackDown. And I like that because they're on two different networks. They're going to maybe look and sound differently. I don't know how the travel schedule is going to be because normally most of the the live events or house shows or whatever you want to call them are usually on Saturdays and Sundays, but SmackDown being live on Fridays, we'll, they'll probably iron out the details as that goes forward, but it hasn't been fully announced, but we have that speculation that this billion dollar deal is going down. And I'm saying I'm going to I'm going to put likely unlikely out there that we see WrestleMania on network television. I'm not going to say in 2019, maybe 2021. I'm going with that. They'll probably move away from being on the network and maybe because the network is there. Yes. And the network 
they, they said pay-per-view is dead. Pay-per-view is not dead. If you promote and book something properly, people will spend money. We saw with Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, $100 a pop, people bought it, people came around. People were doing all God, man, and evil to get, the, to get that pay-per-view. But now with the TV aspect of it, wow, $1 billion in this climate for wrestling for five years. And the UFC got their deal with... Um, ESPN and going on ESPN Plus, and there's talks that the Fox Network is going to give uh, the WWE like a, like a post game and a pre game show to to really turn I think the WWE, especially on the SmackDown, and more into that realistic field that a lot of fans are looking forward, looking towards. That's why I watch more of the Japanese stuff because the whole sports element is in the Japanese style of the presentation of wrestling over there that you see the press conferences you see they 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 some wrestlers have corner men etc cetera, etc cetera. those those are small things that they can be implemented probably with this new deal with Smackdown but we'll wait and see with bated breath as we always do as pro wrestling fans and we always buy it eat it up and enjoy it and then curse about it some more Is it time that we say, yeah, LeBron is in the conversation of greatest of all time, but is he in that conversation like with Wilt, Elgin Baylor, and not in the conversation with Michael, Magic, Bird, Kareem? I think I'm going to have to say this, and this is not being a hater, this is not being no disrespect to the player known as LeBron James. But I really feel that LeBron James is this generation's Elgin Baylor or Will Chamberlain. You can reach nine consecutive finals in the week Eastern Conference as is because you look at it, the Raptors were the top seed this year with their 59 wins and they got to fire their coach. Steph Curry... Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, list goes on and on. That's the team to beat. That's the dynasty team. That Golden State team is like what Jerry Wilson and Elgin Baylor had to go up against with the Celtics. What Wilt had to go up with Bill Russell and the Celtics. That's the way it looks. But does that diminish how we should look at LeBron James? Yeah, he's been to nine consecutive finals. He has three championship rings. He's broken the curse in Cleveland, brought them their first championship. And people are still having the debate, is he and Michael on the same wavelength? My belief is, as a Michael fan, no, I'm not going to take Michael Jordan at this stage of the game of his life to play in the NBA, but do I feel that we have to say that LeBron is in that ilk of Elgin Baylor and Will Chamberlain? Yes, those guys are remembered as greats. Yes, LeBron will be a Hall of Famer. Yes, his number 23 will be retired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Those things will happen, but does that diminish him going to nine consecutive champion or championship series and losing? It doesn't, because you got to remember, basketball is a team sport. He is not playing golf. He's not playing tennis. He is not 
in track and field. Because even in track and field, like Usain Bolt, he doesn't have to run the relay. He can run the 100 and 200 and win medals. He's not Michael Phelps where you're, yeah, you're on a team or myself in wrestling. Yeah, I was on the wrestling team, but I still was the only one on the mat and had to contest against my opponent. LeBron will go down as one of the greats of all time. If he was able to come back now being down 3-0 in the championship series with this team that he has assembled with him and win the championship, then you can say, well, you know what? I got to put him a little up higher than Kobe. I'm not a fan of Kobe. Kobe to me is a Michael Jordan impersonator that he's been, he did a great job. He's done a great job. He's done a great job for 20 years before he retired playing the Michael Jordan um, cover band named Kobe Bryant. But I will have to put right now for me, if I was doing a list of greatest players of all time, for me, it's Michael, then it's Magic, then it's Bird, then it's Kareem. Because Kareem Skyhook, that's a revolutionary shot to this day that people are still are using. But LeBron James is the Will Chamberlain, the Elgin Baylor of this era. He is up against the juggernaut known as the Golden State Warriors, which is this generation's Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics went to, I believe, 12 finals with Kuzi and with Red Auerbach as their coach and Bill Russell and etc. etc. and won. Remember, Wilt left Philly and went to the Lakers. These things happened. LeBron left Cleveland and went to Miami, won two championships, came back home, won another one. Does that make diminish diminish his legacy in the NBA? No, it doesn't. It's a different climate. Michael went to six championships in nine years, in a decade. And he won all six. And people are saying, well, if he didn't leave for that 18 months, he could have won. No, remember, he did come back, and that Magic team beat him. We romanticize Michael a lot, and I do that too, but we got to look at the facts. He didn't come back. That Orlando team beat him with Shaq, Nick Anderson, Penny Hardaway, um, D3, Dennis Scott. But does that, do we ever talk about the um, Michael's record there? No, we only talk about him winning six rings. We, we talk about Magic going to, I believe, seven finals and winning five. We talk about Kobe going to seven finals and winning five. But if that's the end all and be all to say that you're great because you won championship rings, LeBron has them. But he is this generation's Will Chamberlain and Elgin Baylor. Just how I see it. Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Grateful Yardy Podcast. As usual, you can always hit us up on our Facebook page, which is page, which is facebook.com slash Grateful Yardy Podcast. On Instagram, that is Mr. Underscore S-P-E-C-Y-A-L. On Twitter, that's Mr. Special without the underscore. As I always say, God bless. Stay grateful. But before I go... Is Steph Curry the most influential player 
to be in the NBA today. When I say influential, let's let's, let's break it down like this. I heard this before on on a other sports podcast I listened to. Um, that there is the influential eight players in the history of basketball. I believe it was you had Wilt, Kareem, Magic, Bird, Michael, Shaq, Tim Duncan, and last but not least was Steph Curry. I'm going to talk about players that I did see. My, Kareem was the skyhook. Bird and Magic saved the NBA. Remember, this was a league back in the early 80s that their championship series was on tape delay. We never saw the NBA games live back in the early 80s. I wasn't alive, but I do a lot of research. So, them two with their rivalry with the Lakers and the Celtics brought the NBA back to prominence back in the 80s. Then a high-flying kid that was born in Brooklyn, grew up in North Carolina, played for the Tar Heels, known as Michael Jordan, came and mesmerized us with his crazy dunks. He globalized the game. More people started watching the NBA. More people got involved with basketball. More people started playing basketball in the late 80s and early 90s. Because you got to remember, this was, and for all those who are listening, it's somebody that wants to talk to me on the Anchor FM app. But, last my train of thought. Michael globalized the game, yes. Because you got to remember, in 92, when the Dream Team, the first ever Dream Team, and the only Dream Team in my estimation, that's my belief, that was the only Dream Team. It's sad that Isaiah wasn't on it, and it's sad that Shaq wasn't on it. But they were the, the original Dream Team that went to Barcelona and played in that 92 Olympics. Mike, there was a poster, and there's a picture a very iconic video of Michael walking down, I believe in Barcelona, downtown Barcelona, and Michael was walking and saw the billboard of his iconic Jumpman. So what does that tell you? That's the guy that globalized the game. Tim Duncan brought back quiet fundamentals to the game. Shaq was the most dominant player for his size, strength, and position in the mid-90s, early 2000s. And Steph Curry has turned a generation of players, we're seeing the kids now, that can get their shot off the dribble, can shoot from amazing ranges. We're talking half court inside of the the logos, etc., etc. Even last night, if you watched the, the, the dagger three, as I called it, that Kevin Durant hit. Kevin Durant hit that dagger three from pretty much half court, like it was nothing. And you got to remember, we don't have guys that played like Shaq and Kareem and Bill Russell that got in the box and broke you down and easily got 28 points, 20, about, and a 2010 guy. You don't have those type of players. You got guys that are seven foot that can dribble, penetrate, get their own shot off the dribble, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why I'm calling Steph Curry the most influential player that has come out, because you got to look at it, man. The kids in middle school, the kids in high school, the college kids are learning that Steph Curry range. And yes, last night in game three of the finals, 
he hit one for 13 from three. That's the risk you take with a guy like him. That is like when you play baseball and you know you got a guy that that can easily hit you 50 home runs, but you're going to be prepared that he's going to give you 200 strikeouts because that is the range of a home run hitter. He's going to take shots. He's going to swing after bad pitches. Steph Curry, arguably, is one is in the conversation of the influential players. Like I said, it was the skyhook for Kareem. It was bird and magic. That's why, for me, LeBron is one of the greatest players to ever play this game. At his size, he, he like people describe him, it's... Magic Johnson with Karl Malone's body. That's what he's described as. But influential? I don't believe so. Steph Curry has created a generation of jump shooters in that are in middle school, high school, college rent, even the street ball rent. They're doing the things that Steph Curry is doing because he has created that culture. That's what makes you influential. That's what puts you a step above other point guards in this league. Yes, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook is great. Yes, CP3 is great. Yes, Kyrie Irving got handles, but they do not do what Steph Curry does. All right. God bless. Stay grateful. Take care of yourself and each other. Enjoy sports. Enjoy your summer. I'll be back next week, probably talking to things and pun the ends like I always do. Peace.